What is up, professional lacrosse fans? This is another episode of the Lax Factor Podcast. This is our summer edition pro show where we're going to be covering the PLL and the MLL all season. We've already done two pro shows so far, so this is technically our third, and I'm not going to number them. I'm going to forget at some point. In this episode, the PLL gets the game of the week treatment. We're going to talk whip snakes versus the chrome. I want to also talk about a unifying theme that I've noticed across both leagues that I think is kind of important to talk about along with some other notes about both leagues. I wanted to do a rundown of this weekend's professional lacrosse results with a little bit of stats, even though Major League Lacrosse does a shit job covering even their own league. And that's it. But before I get into that, if uh, as always, if you want to try to support the channel, the number one thing you can do to support this channel and this podcast is simply like subscribe and please share this show with your friends share it on facebook share it on youtube if you got a buddy that you know likes lacrosse send it to him via email via text whatever just share the show that's the best way that you can help us for those of you who have a little bit of money that you don't mind throwing some cheddar our way you can go to laxfactor.com you can get yourself uh, t-shirts shorts um, all sorts of things coffee mugs hats we have all sorts of swag so you can go to laxfactor.com and get swag i digress let's get into this Podcast. Okay, so we're going to get into our pro game of the week. It is the Whip Snakes and the Chrome. Excellent game. Yet another game that goes into overtime. Of the six PLL games so far, four of them were decided by a goal, one of them by two goals, and the game yesterday was a little bit more of a murking, a five-goal game. So let's just dive right into the action here. Tie game, about 625, 630 left on the clock, and John Haas has the ball out top. Chanachuk starts coming his way and ducks underneath him. They run a little bit of a flesh-bodied pick slip here. Just put a body underneath the guy, see what happens to his defender, and Haas can see his defender gets hung up just enough to free his hands up, and he lights a two-point shot up. It's a beautiful bounce shot that goes over Galloway's, I believe, his right shoulder. Um and that gives the Whips a two-goal lead. I'm not a big fan of that. Not a big fan of the Whips getting a two-goal lead off one one goal or one shot, but that's beside the point. What What is important is this was a beautiful pick slip. This is why, this is what I do love about the pro game is they are, they, you, you watch these guys run two-man games and they are incredible at it. These guys have been playing their whole lives getting beat up by poles and trying to do everything they can to scrap for an inch. And that's what they have to do here because they're playing against the best poles in the world. So watching these guys play, play two-man game, whether it be midfielders out top or attackmen behind, I love it. And this was a, a great example of how to just use a half-ass pick slip to get your hands free enough to, to take a two-goal lead with 6.16 left in the game. And then we end up seeing uh, Jordan Wolf. He strikes back. He ends up scoring his first real Jordan Wolf goal of the season, wrapping around the cage, soaking a check, probably a hold, getting his, his hands free, turning his hips and getting it off. We've got a one-goal game. Uh, I'm not sure in the sequence here, but another big deal was John Galloway. Uh, with about five minute mark, I think it was a little bit before the five minute mark. You know, this the game could have gotten put away again, and Galloway makes two big saves in the same sequence, back to back, to give the ball back to the Chrome and give them another chance. Then we go to three forty seven in the game. Shot clock is nearly expired. A shot off the crossbar goes off towards the camera side. Uh, where we're viewing it and we're seeing we see Wesley Berg chasing the ball and it looks like he gets beat to the end line by the Whip Snakes player I forget who it was in the replay and they give the ball to Chrome bad call not a not a big deal it was a close call and maybe he saw something we didn't maybe by the time the ball was out that that player hadn't ducked under him yet whatever gives the ball back to the Chrome I'm like ah shit we got we got some action here and then 
two-man game out back again. Jordan Wolf's guy gets hung up at, at X, like five yards behind X, and Wolf just comes up the right side, unencumbered, sticks another one. Very similar goal, but this time he wasn't being checked. Tie game here. And, you know, things go back and forth for a minute or two. We end up, Chrome gets their first power play of the game, which gets eaten. Uh, great save, actually, to force the power play. There was a flag down. The Chrome take a really good shot. And I forget, uh, it's just escaping me here, the Whipsnakes goalie off the top of my head. But he makes a ridiculous save uh, to to just force the power play with 149. And uh, and then the the power play, nothing nothing comes of it. Chrome shot hits the pipe. Whips pick it up. 109 left in the game. The Whip Snakes have the ball. Then their last possession, and this is where the short field came into play, and where I'm now all, all of a sudden I'm a big, a huge fan of the short field. Chrome takes the shot left with 10 seconds left. I believe it was Crotty who took that shot with 10 seconds left. Safe. Ball goes up in the air, picked up by the Chrome. They book it up the field, and they get another shot off. So Crotty takes a shot with 10 seconds left, and the Chrome are able to get up the field and get a – or no, not the Chrome. The Chrome take a shot with 10 seconds left to to try to win the game, save by the Whip Snakes, and the Whip Snakes literally pick the ball up with six seconds left, get it up the field in time for a long pole to take a really deep shot, probably a 25-foot shot from outside. With Galloway outside the cage, though, and Galloway ends up making a a save standing like 10, 11 yards out front of the goal. That was huge, but that's the short field. The short field coming into play. We had two shots inside 10 seconds from two different teams to try to decide this game. So that was an exciting sequence and and proof that maybe there is something to that shortened field, which I already thought there was, but meh. So we go into OT. Right off the bat, minute into the first OT, Galloway has a huge save off a Chanachuk shot. And then we end up having two terrible turnovers. As the Chrome get the ball back and we're thinking, okay, Galloway makes a big save. Now the Chrome can come up and score. We end up having two terrible turnovers um, by the Chrome. One of them just a, a sail to pass over somebody's head. Back-to-back turnovers, though, that give the ball right back to the Whip Snakes. Rambo, he comes up the left side. Uh, misses with a backhand, turns into a shot clock violation. So it's just, you know, once again, just team struggling. That shot clock, I think, is a little bit too short. I feel like that they they shaved that seven seconds off of it. I feel like if they gave them a full 60, we wouldn't have quite as many turnovers as we've seen within the PLL so far. But in the end, Ryan Drenner, he scores the game winner. Wing dodge to the middle, uh, just a righty rip as he's coming in off the off the wing, just gets that edge on them. And you saw a lot of that over the weekend. There was a, the, the, the PLL, they're just murking the wings uh, within their offensive sets here. So... It was an excellent game, though. It was a, a good game. We see Jordan Wolf play huge and and get the the Chrome back to at least have a chance, and then we see Drenner score the game winner. Uh, so just yet another overtime game for the PLL, though, and there was nothing wrong with that. Now we're going to jump right off of this into the the second segment, and then this is just kind of mo- another take. We're only two weeks deep into both into both leagues playing now here. So my take on the, the, the second weekend, you know, at the end of the second weekend of uh, pro lacrosse. So we get in here and, and I'm trying to get into it. Like if, let me know what you guys do to get yourselves hyped for these games. When the MLL first came out, I think where the MLL missed winning me over as a diehard fan was I had decided I was going to be a Rochester Rattlers fan and kind of two summers in a row, I was trying to get into watching the Rattlers play. And I just couldn't, all you could get at the time, five, six, seven years ago was a game of the week every once in a while. So I'd end up getting stuck watching whatever the game of the week was. I couldn't consistently watch the Rattlers. I couldn't consistently get up to Rochester to watch them when they were actually playing up there. So I just, 
the MLL missed the window uh, to attract my attention by just not making the games accessible enough. Now, listen, I complain about people complaining about accessibility, you know, so far. So I'm not being a hypocrite here. When I'm saying the games weren't accessible five, seven years ago, I'm saying there was no chance of you getting that game on your TV. All these pansy asses that are complaining about accessibility now, you're idiots. Every game is accessible. I, I couldn't pay for a major league lacrosse game seven year, five, seven years ago if it wasn't on if I wanted to get it. It was nowhere. I would have happily paid a subscription to get them all. And when the, the LSN, I think it was, that took over the MLL coverage, I actually did pay for a subscription. And LSN just never got my access hooked up and I couldn't watch a game anyway. And I ended up trying to do a chargeback for all of them. So even that relationship sucked. Note to everybody else, never sign up for a subscription for a service with a, with a Facebook account, never log in as Facebook using that kind of Facebook user login to another system and then pay for it separately and try to get in. Cause a lot of times that will fail. I'm a web developer. I've seen it happen in other scenarios. That's what happened to me with lacrosse network. Anyway, I digress. So that, that's they missed their window there with the PLL. The problem I'm having is I just don't care about the teams. If the, I wish there was, a, I wish they would have done like given each team a geographic region because it would have made it easy for me. Boom! I have to like the team that's in the Northeast region, whatever that was, whether it was a Long Island team or what, who knows where how they would have aligned them up. But I feel like that's where they missed the window for me. I've kind of picked the Chrome because they've got a couple of Syracuse guys on the on the roster, but. I'm having a hard time getting into this, man. I'm having a hard time sitting here on the weekend and wanting to watch the games. I'm only watching these games so that I can do this. And I think that it's, you can tell in the quality and in, 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 in the level of my excitement, it is just not there. So, but let's be positive here. I'm trying to try my best to find uh, 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 some positive things to take away from here and trying my best to get into it. One thing that is for certain in both leagues for sure Goalkeeping is off the charts good. Goalkeeping has been incredible in both leagues. Goalies are standing on their heads left and right. It was it was no different this weekend. Galloway had a great game. As we get down here into the into the games further down, let's see who else had a huge game. Gittle, Adam Gettleman, 14 saves, 60% save percentage. So goalkeepers are playing well in both Major League Lacrosse and uh, the PLL. That that's been huge. And, uh, and that's just their save percentages don't always do them justice, I don't think. But I've watched a lot of just gimme shots, shots that you know you should score. And these goalies are, are, are stonewalling these people. So that's been good. Excellent goalie play. So if you're a goalie, you should enjoy watching these, these leagues play because you're literally seeing the top eight goalies in the world uh, play across both of these leagues. Another thing I've noticed more specifically with the PLL is the defenses are forcing a lot of turnovers. And in the PLL, a lot of them are just guys, defenders sniping balls out of the sky. So is it sloppy offense? A little bit. Is it a, is it a, you know, partly that the defenders are just so good that these offensive players are now trying to get used to the new spacing and, and just playing against this quality of opponent week in and week out a little bit. But I think that I think one of my gripes last week was this, the, the PLL and the MLL, but I think a little bit more of the PLL still has the feeling a little bit of just pick up run and gun lacrosse. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying for the guys that are trying to say this is polished lacrosse, get the fuck out of here with that. It's not. The PLL has been plagued with high turnovers. I, I forget. I think one of the teams this weekend had 18, 20, 20 plus turnovers in a, in a short game with 12 minute quarters. That is not polished lacrosse. Now make the argument that the shot clock might be contributing the shorter shot clock very well 
it, it's not even very well. I mean, the shot clock is adding three, four, five turnovers to each game. But that's I think that in that case, if the shot clock is coming into play that often, that's not good. The way the shot clock played out in college across this year, they get enough time to get a good possession in. You're watching them miss the cage on shots three, four, five times in a possession, and then they turn it over. Uh, in this case, I feel like there's just a little bit of rushed offense at times, and maybe they just need to get their legs under them, get their schemes down, and we'll see that improve. But I feel sloppy play is still plaguing both of these teams, but trying to be positive about it, it's not sloppy play. It's defenders picking balls out of the sky, you know, stick checking the ball out of players sticks and, and then bolting up field. So the defense has, has forced a lot of turnovers in both leagues, but I think the PLL is the loser in this so far. I think the PLL seems to be a little bit sloppier thus far, but I'll give the PLL. It's a little bit more offensive, excite, uh, uh, more exciting offensively short field. Awesome. As was, as we already talked about speed of play, pace of play, right, right off the face offs guy wins a face off. He's right. He's right in the mix already. Um, in terms of getting the ball from the off defensive end to the offensive end quickly, that's helped a little bit alleviate some of that shot clock, the shot clock blues with the shorter 53, uh, second shot clock. So I like the shorter field of play and the fact that we get two shots off to win a game from each team with 10 seconds on the clock. That's pretty incredible. And that's a testament to the short field working, I think a little bit. Um, shorter shot clock, not so awesome. I'm not a big fan of that. I still think 60 seconds would have been right. I don't like shaving that 53 off. I think had they gone with 60 with that shorter field, that's, that improves their offensive sets beyond the MLL right now. I'm giving the better offensive sets to the MLL over the PLL because it's a little bit cleaner and I like that shot clock better. PLL was losing the attendance battle. Now, I will say, we're in the middle of uh, club lacrosse, travel lacrosse, so there's a lot of people that aren't going to these games, specifically this weekend. I know this was a really big weekend for tournaments for travel lacrosse, and it didn't look like the attendance was much better from what I saw in the MLL games. Now, I will say, opening weekend of MLL, attendance looked great. Opening weekend of PLL, attendance was good. I think they said they averaged about four or 5,000 per game. I think that they're happy with, with those numbers. I was hoping in this smaller stadium, uh, that we would see, it would look a little bit better. Didn't it look terrible. It looked worse. Now in fairness, Red Bull arena, which I thought was probably a five to 8,000 seat arena. I believe they said it holds 25,000 people. So that probably plays once again, it's just too big of a venue, um, for lacrosse in the sense of you're wanting to see people sitting together in the stands. It's just not going to happen. But it looked like attendance was way down this weekend in the PLL compared to last weekend, probably the same for the MLL. Good thing with the PLL. I, I know for a fact, a boatload of guys have gone out and ordered the NBC gold, including myself. So that probably helps alleviate a little bit of the attendance issues. Maybe that even causes some of the attendance issues because they do such a, a good job, uh, broadcasting these games through NBC gold. It's, it's, it's an experience alone watching these games at home. So that's, that's part of it. And it's a new league, but I did notice attendance was looking a little bit rough for both of them this weekend. We'll see how that goes. Another thing, PLL, uh, the cussing. Cussing was cleaned up a little bit. Uh, feed, I noticed in the feed cams, they're, they're putting a big uh, you know, uh, disclaimer saying, hey, these are unfiltered conversations that they're having in these huddles and in, in breaks and things. So they, they, they warn people. So that's where you mute your volume, earmuff your kid, and we have no problem. So all these people talking about how they, they're not going to watch these games because of, of the cussing. Get the fuck out of here with that, too. That's stupid. You know, Go take your Puritan self somewhere else with that. I don't mind you not liking the cussing. I just don't want to hear about it. And uh, that's pretty much that. 
We move off though. But moral of the story, both leagues, still great talent. Both leagues still worth watching. I'm just myself, I'm struggling and I'm trying to find silver linings. I'm trying to break the games down. And I think by me picking one game each week and just doing a much better job of breaking down that game, I think that might help me a little bit because I really did watch the the Whip Snakes and the Chrome game very closely. And I did watch the the uh, uh, Chaos and the Atlas game closely too. Get into the scores. And once again, I'm doing PLL scores first. Because the PLL makes my life easy. Immediately after these games are over, I have an article that I can jump in to, to read. I can see what, you know, basic stats and things. Now, listen, the PLL and, and Major League Lacrosse are still doing a shit job in terms of giving people like me available, you know, uh, access to stats quickly so that we can cover these games right away. I can take a weekend to write something up. The reason these are a little bit skimpy in term, compared to some of the college coverage that we do is because we just don't have access to stats. The Major League Lacrosse, I have access to nothing outside of crappy box scores, and those aren't even available until usually 24 hours after the game. So PLL has won the battle in getting the information out there, so they're getting first coverage. Chaos. Atlas, that was Sunday's game, 18-13, the Chaos take it. Miles uh, Thompson, four goals, he had a great game. Connor Fields, uh, everyone was really excited about a BTB fake that he put on his guy. At first, I didn't think it worked because it was such a delayed reaction. His man does end up, eventually looks over his shoulder, Fields steps down two or three steps, rips himself a goals. I, I called it a step-down hitch just about because you could tell even Fields was surprised the guy turned and just gave him two or three steps to get a goal there. That was pretty sweet. Atlas looked rough offensively. They've looked rough both weeks so far. One thing that I that I liked about this, Connor Busick is a straight grown-ass man. He, he separates his shoulder, has to get helped off the field. Obviously, his shoulder is out as he's coming off the field. They pop it back in. He's available on the sideline to give an interview and prove to us that he's a savage. Then he goes back in the game and sticks a two-point laser for the Atlas. Too little, too late, but still, separate your shoulder, get it put back into place, do an interview where you play down said separated shoulder, and then score a two-point goal to prove that said shoulder isn't really bothering you all that bad. I thought that was a great moment. I thought it was a great moment, not just because it happened to him, but the on-field interview, the interview on the sideline, and then he goes out and scores a goal. Incredible. Archers, Redwoods. Archers, 10, another another one-goal game. Archers win this one 10-9. Ben McIntosh played bully ball on the wing for both of his goals, and uh, he scores the game winner just dodging off of that uh, that left wing. I'm saying left wing. I'm, as, I'm saying left wing as he's looking down the cage. It was the left side. Uh, he's a big boy, though. We got, we got a ginger scoring game-winning goals uh, in the PLL, so we don't know how that's going to stand for his soul. Does that give him a soul? because he scores two goals in that game and, and scores the game winner. I'm not sure. I don't think so. I think that Ben McIntosh is still a man without a soul. That's okay, though. Nothing wrong with that. Adam Gettleman came up huge in this game. 14 saves, 60% save percentage. He stood on his head. So, great game. Great. It, it, the, the PLL action this week, I'm not mad at it. It was it was exciting. It was worth watching. I watched the game yesterday on the back porch. I had the TV on the back porch, and I sat in the yard while the kids swam and drank, I drank some beer and watched the game. Good weekend overall. Now we get into the redheaded stepchild of the leagues, and I'm calling the MLL the redheaded stepchild because you have to do better. Make statistics available. As of last night at 11 o'clock, the Saturday game uh, from for the MLL, as of 11 o'clock last night, still didn't have a write-up on either team's website. Still, I think I might have been able to get a box score from it, but 
With the MLL, I, I still can't tell you who the, the league's leading scorers are. For instance, watch this. Who want, We want to find out who the, le- the leading scorer in the league is for the PLL? I've got that up. League leaders, points. Matt Rambo, 10 points. Jake Ficaro, 8 points. Marcus Holman, 8 points in two games. Great. Goals. Will Manny, 6 goals in two games. Josh Byrne, 5 goals. Ben McIntosh, the ginger with no soul, 5 goals. Assists, Matt Rambo, six. Marcus Holman, Justin Gutterding, each have four. Uh, we can even look up cause turnovers. The leader for the PLL in cause turnovers, Scotty Ratliff. He's got four. He's tied, actually, with Garrett Eppel. Garrett Eppel saves. And th- th- going into the goalies here, Tim Troutner Jr., rookie goalie, has looked great. 29 saves in two games. Blaze Reardon, who I was never big on as a goalie, uh, except I like that Blaze Reardon scores goals and shit in, in box lacrosse. Uh, 30. Saves on the season. Jake Concanon, 29 saves. So moral of the story, PLL, you want to see some stats? Boom, it's right here. Now, granted, they're not doing anything near what the college game does either. But then again, I, I understand. They don't have college-level money. But listen, there are sports information directors on college campuses that are doing better than whoever's in charge of this crap for both of these pro leagues. Do better, both of you, because it's 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 one, another thing that just makes me mad. And and it's just another for all of us who like to talk about why these leagues have failed. It's just another reason that we get to complain about where we're actually right and you have no leg to stand on. So do better. All right, let me get back to this. And so, Outlaws beat the Blaze, and I watched this game in uh, eighteen sixteen. And what I liked about this one, John Grant Jr. breaks the MLL's all time points record over Public Enemy number one Paul Rabel, who formerly held that record. So now John Grant Jr. is atop that points, all-time points list by two over Rabel. So that MLL succeeded in making public enemy number one no longer their all-time points leader by bringing John Grant Jr. out of retirement. So that's dope. The but Outlaws beat the Blaze 18 to 6. Rattlers, and this is the game I could I had a really hard time finding info on, even 24 hours after it took place. Um Rattler, I might be wrong on that. Rattlers lose to the Cannons 16 to 10. Kyle Jackson uh, scores four goals for Boston. He's one of three guys for Boston that had hat tricks in that win. The cool thing about Kyle Jackson, and this is where we get into the talking about the um, the talent that each of these leagues have. A lot of people are hardcore bonered up for the PLL's talent, trying to say this is the best art, the stupidest art thing I've heard all all year so far. I heard someone try to say if you took the top talent from the MLL and you had the top talent in the PLL face off against each other. You take all-star teams for both leagues and you put them against each other that the PLL will just murk the MLL. That is stupid. And if you think that, you don't know lacrosse. If you take the top talent for both of these leagues and you put them in a battle, I'm not convinced the PLL wins that game because the MLL still has Lyle Thompson and Rob Pinnell. Just those two alone put the MLL in this game. So stupidest thing I've heard. All, and then I even heard a stupider one. They said, you take the champ in the PLL, whoever wins the PLL, that team, and you put them against the MLL's all-star team and the, the PLL winner would, would mark them. That's just patently stupid. The MLL's all-star team would fuck up the PLL's champion. Maybe not a total fuck up because all of these teams are pretty loaded, but I I'd like, I'd give the nod. I'd give the win to the team that has Rob Pinnell, Lyle Thompson on attack and, and, you know, steel Stanwick. I think it was steel Stanwick. And I mean, you name it, the MLL is still loaded with talent. So that's dumb. And I think that Kyle Jackson, um, scoring four goals for Boston is proof of that. 
who knows who Kyle Jackson is. If I say the name Kyle Jackson, do any of you have any idea who the hell he is? I'm going to be honest. I watch more college across than almost everybody. I have to be in the 99th percentile in terms of the amount of time my eyeballs spend watching college across. I didn't know who Kyle Jackson was. I had to look it up. Michigan's all-time points leader. Dude is Michigan's all-time points leader, and he only graduated in 2017. And boom, to try to say that the MLL has no talent, I'd say that probably the dude who scored, you know, who ended up putting up the all-time an all-time number of points for Michigan in the Big Ten, probably pretty talented fellow, even if he's not a huge name and a household name in lacrosse. Moral of the story for the the MLL: be better. Make it easier for us to get information about these games. Have somebody there that's ready to write these games up and put some stats up immediately following the game, like the PLL does. That's it's just I can't. It, it boggles my mind that these two leagues are in a race against each other and they're still not doing everything right. They're still, you know, just fumbling footballs left and right and just, you know, making bad business decisions about some very key things. Specifically, make it easier for people to cover the games and we'll cover the games. Make it difficult for people like me who have no monetary attachment to this. I'm not going to make shit off of this podcast. I'm not going to make any money talking about this. I'm doing this for my own ego and just to entertain you guys. Uh, Make it easy or else we're not going to cover it in the end and you're going to be the league that fails. The league that makes it easier for people to cover the games is going to be the league that wins. Uh, Mark my words. And that's it. That's the pro podcast for this week. We're going to, you know, we'll do that. We'll, we'll slowly but surely get into this. And uh, I've admittedly taken a couple of uh, weeks of easy rest time here after the college season got over 140 videos. I believe it was that we, uh, I made this year for the college season. I think about 45 of them were podcasts and then the rest of them were highlight videos. So ton of coverage that we've had, but uh, we'll be back. We're only going to do one pro show a week here moving forward. We'll do, you know, random things throughout the week, but no more two shows a week. So we're going to do a pro show every Monday morning. It'll come out and uh, that'll be the main show. And then you'll just see random videos that will pop up through the off season. We'll get back into doing uh, film reviews and things like that. Maybe we'll start doing a few film reviews of the pro game. But uh, as always, uh, if you want to support us, like, subscribe, share the video. Uh, if you want to support us monetarily, go to laxfactor.com. You can get yourself some swag. As always, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Wherever you're listening or watching from, have a good week. Have a good week.